Burton and the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. Like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. Just listen to the old Pork Chop Express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild-eyed eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall, and he looks at crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. This is the Pool Scene Podcast, and we're over the hump for Season 8. This being Episode 6 of Season 8, or to put it as a pool pun, we've already climbed the ladder, waited in line, now we're on the water slide, heading towards the deep end. Make sure that water slide is sufficiently lubricated, because you don't want that burn ass. Like Caddyshack 2. Pretty much. Hot, hot, hot. Jim, are you Chang Sing or Wing Kong? I think I'd have to be Chang Sing, but because at least they have the hand symbol. The Wing Kong don't have any hand symbol. This looked awesome. They are cool. That was my Chang Sing co-host, Jim. I am Kevin. I'm probably Wing Kong. Are you Wing Kong? I think I just like Mortal the Kombat? black and red. And yeah, I don't need to be like one of the three storms, but the black and red and all the, the weapons and stuff. Here's the problem I would have. Lopan is 900 years old or something yeah. like that. Would you take orders from a nine-year-old guy who normally looks like he has pimento loaf skin? It's so gross. It looks like he smells like a bologna. Yeah, they just thing. like glued some bologna to his face for some of the scenes. <laughs> For those who don't follow our social media pages, you'll already know this week's movie. For those that don't, maybe a light bulb went off for Chang Sing or Wing Kong. If not, let me tell you this week's film is 1986 martial arts action comedy Big Trouble in Little China. Directed by the very bodacious John Carpenter. Carpenter also does the music for his movies, or at least most of his movies, which is always great. Originally, the first time screenwriters imagined the movie as an 1880s Western. Would have been interesting to see. Another writer was brought in, and there's like this whole bit about this where basically I know people that have been a part of this personally who wrote a screenplay. Hollywood has kind of like apprehension against first time screenwriters. So they always bring in somebody with a little bit of name value and they scrap everything from that oh, yeah. first screenplay. So they were fighting to have these guys just removed altogether. They didn't even want to give them like a story by credit or written by credit or anything. They just wanted to completely take away their project hundred percent from them. So another writer was brought in to rewrite and modernize the script. That writer was WD Richter, who is known for directing the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Hell yeah, that we covered that amazing episode with Chief Matt Liller. So again, almost everything was omitted except Lopan's story. So he was still in the original yeah. version. Then Carpenter was hired to direct and rush production so that it could be released prior to Eddie Murphy's Golden Child, which the studio saw as a similar film. Have you ever watched Golden Child? Yeah. Oh, not a good movie it's whatsoever. It's funny because the two movies aren't that similar at all. They're not. And I think John Carpenter's on record as saying like, 
we went the entire history of film and then all of a sudden like two movies about Chinese mysticism are coming out at the same, same time. time, you know, deep impact came out. So therefore Armageddon or something like Dante's peak and volcano twister and night of the twisters. Oh, you again with night of the twisters, <laughs> much like the theme for last week's collision course episode. This one had its fair share of production problems more so with the studio head Lawrence Gordon constantly interfering with production. So after Big Trouble, Carpenter went back to making independent films. He was like, I'm done. He kind of fell off the face of the earth, kind of. Well, he did make movies. I mean, Ghost of Mars. Yeah, but like the central joke of this movie is unique. And I can't think of too many other movies with the theme of where we have a character who thinks he's the hero, but he's actually not. He's the sidekick. But that leads to problems when it's the sidekick on the poster. And then the audience is trusting the sidekick to be our reliable narrator. Audiences were expecting Snake Plissken. With that said, let's see how it affected the bottom line. Jim, give us budget box office along with news and number ones at time of release for Big Trouble in Little China. From WUAB Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. This amazing gem of a movie, kind of a cult classic, I would say, by far. A lot of people were excited that we were doing this movie, especially our boy Mag CH. Came out on July 2nd, 1986 to a budget that wasn't really nailed down. So it's anywhere between 19 and $25 million, which was the budget. It made only $11 million, which I can see this not being the box office type movie you want to go see. Like, hey, you got to go see this weird shit. I'll wait till it comes out on VHS. This is where it kind of found its second life, but where certain other movies found its second life were also on VHS besides this one. Here are your top three at Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster Video. What a difference. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, which I have yet to see that I have to check out. The Best of Times, which is another Kurt Russell movie, Robin Williams, very, very, very underrated sports movie, and Jewel of the Nile. Okay. Where your top three, pretty damn good ones all over the place there. The top TV rated thing, Kevin, is it's not a normal television drama. It's not a comedy. It's not a sports episode. The network coverage, which is ABC, CBS, and NBC, the coverage of the reopening of the renovated Statue of Liberty were dominating the television ratings for the week of July the 2nd. Why? To commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Statue of Liberty, to rededicate her, she is over there, less than a mile behind us, ready to be dedicated by President Reagan when he arrives here later today. It was a big renovation project. Reagan was there. Nancy Reagan was there. Everybody wanted to see the newly painted. It's good they finally covered up her big nipples. The Nintendo Entertainment System, Kevin, becomes the number one home video game seller, surpassing the Commodore 64. Okay. Which is great. 1986, uh, the Nintendo was... Commodore 64. We have every video game ever. And you can have it too. Just tell your Uncle Kirk to make you some bootleg copies. Because I can tell you, on my Commodore that I still have, I maybe have three actual bought games. The rest of them are all bootleg. It's like, oh, you want to play the Big Mac lettuce game? It's like, what do you mean Big Mac lettuce? Just Oh, you take the lettuce off the Big Mac, and then you're the Big Mac's lettuce. The great thing about Commodore 64, it was perfect for dinner time. 
boot it up, load the game, go have dinner, yeah. come back, then the game Maybe starts. Play. Yeah. That's right. Into news, Kevin. NASA releases transcripts from the Doom Challenger. We've talked about this around this time. Now was the big news story. Pilot Michael Smith could be heard saying, uh-oh, oh, before no. they throttled up and it exploded. Polar opposite news here, Kevin. Boy George is being treated for heroin addiction. Okay. So... Motley Cruz Vince Neal, we've brought this up in the show before, begins his 30-day sentence for vehicular homicide. The lead singer of the heavy metal band Motley Crue was back in court today. He was ordered to begin serving a 30-day jail sentence for manslaughter and drunk driving. 24-year-old Vincent Neal Wharton will surrender himself at the Gardena City Jail on July 14th. Last July, he pleaded guilty to manslaughter and drunk driving charges in the head-on crash of his car in December of 1984. A passenger in his car was killed, and two others were hurt. 30 days! Vince Neal killed killed his best friend. Nice touch. Yeah. We've talked about Vince Neal, and we've talked about Brandy. Yeah. Very minimal sentences for homicide. But one thing, one person that always kills us is our man George. George from the great beyond. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. Now, before this week, two weeks ago in 1986, before July the 2nd, in one of the most famous FIFA World Cup matches, Diego Maradona from Argentina scores a handball goal nicknamed the hand of God, yep. then dribbles past the entire English football team to score a second goal, nicknamed the goal of the century, with Argentina winning 2-1 against England. I loved Maradona. He was I the most egregious a, son of a bitch A ever. Maradona figure that wasn't a starting lineup, but it was like a off-brand starting lineup of Maradona. I loved Maradona. He was one of those guys that set himself apart, and he didn't give a fuck nope. about anything or anyone. He got away with it. I don't know how, but he got away with it. The 73rd Tour de France was won by legitimately the only American to ever win the Tour de France, Greg LeMond, because all the Lance Armstrong ones don't count. So you had to wipe those from the history book. Your number one movie in America. We've covered this on a deep end. Karate Kid Part 2. Get your hand drums out, everybody. It's time for Daniel-san to ice break his way into your heart. On MTV, the number one music video, Invisible Touch. Ooh, just a halfback running for a touchdown. Such the weirdest video, but Phil Collins has called this his favorite Genesis no song way. he ever did. I'm just a halfback running for a touchdown. And bassist slash guitarist Mike Rutherford has called it a wonderful song, upbeat, fun to play, always a strong moment in any gig. It's it, fine. It's a catchy song, though the video Best? is really weird. Best song? I don't know. Phil Collins era Genesis maybe maybe but genesis goes back a long way look at peter gabriel's stuff when he was the front man of genesis really good the number one song in the united kingdom edge of heaven by wham This is where I say I'll have no clue what the hell the song is. Then I'll put it into the show and go, oh, that one. Like that Sacrifice song by Elton John. I was like, I know that song. I was blown away. And the number one song here, there'll be sad songs to make you cry by Billy Ocean. Now, 
another great slow Billy Ocean song. Not the normal stuff you'd want to be uh, listening to License to Drive to, but... Dashed by me and painted on jeans. I love Billy Ocean. He was very underrated. That's all that was going on. And as good old Jack Burton would say, that's the news for July 2nd, 1986. Test screenings for this movie were overwhelmingly positive. Carpenter and Kurt Russell thought they had a major hit on their hands. But then the studio barely promoted it because they flat out didn't know how. Critics didn't agree because they thought Russell made weird acting choices as the hero. But he wasn't supposed to to be be. the hero. So that's, they didn't get it. You people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. But yeah, as Jim said, it didn't end up being a hit because it wasn't marketed because they didn't know how. They did not know what the hell they were doing when it came to that. So I think Kurt Russell even said himself at one point, it was very hard to explain what this movie was about. Like if you tried to give a short synopsis, what it's like truck driver (laughs) chasing down a bet, stumbles into the wrong neighborhood. It's like (laughs) Chinese magic occurs. There's monsters. Yeah, right there. It's so difficult. Seven foot tall guy who's actually old. All right, let's take a ride on the Pork Chop Express into the plot. Jack Burton is a truck driver of the Pork Chop Express. He had won a bet with his friend Wang Chi. To make sure Wang didn't try and skip on payment, he goes with him to the airport. Actually, he's like, get in, I'll drive. To make sure you don't run away with the money you owe me. Yes, which was like $1,100 or something. It was it was $1,100 double that, so it was like $2,200. Okay, nothing or double. Nothing or double, Jack. Or nothing or triple jack. Yeah. So they're going to the airport to pick up Wang's fiance, which for as good of friends as Jack and Wang are supposed to be, Jack isn't aware of Wang's fiance. Anyway, a street gang named the Lords of Death try to kidnap a girl who was there meeting her friend, Gracie Law. Can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. Well, then would you ever consider just jumping right in? Sure, but never with a person in your condition. Let's talk about my condition. Just what's wrong with it? You should try standing down when where I am. It's Miller time. You know what I say when it's Miller time. Jack intervenes and stops them, but they kidnap Wang's fiance instead. Meow Yin, who, as a dumb kid, when I was young when I saw this movie, they named a girl after a cat sound, Meow Ying? I'm like, what the fuck? No, it's Meow Yin. She has green eyes. You know how rare that is, Jack? Meowing. And they shoved her in the back of a firebird. Jack and Wang track the Lords of Death to Chinatown. In Chinatown, during a funeral procession, procession, they witness a battle between two ancient Chinese warrior clans. The Chang Sing. Yes, you did it right. And Wing Kong. The Three Storms, which are three dudes each with a weather power, thunder, rain, and lightning wipe out some of the Chang Sing. And Jack tries to drive the Pork Chop Express through them. He ends up running over David Lopan, the leader of the Three Storms. But Jack sees Lopan glowing and unhurt. I ran straight through him, Wang. I'm never going to get mouth How the hell could I run straight through him? You didn't. It only appeared that way. Right. Jack and Wang escape, but Jack's big rig is stolen. Said Jack and Wang. Jack and, and Wang. Big, big rig. <laughs> Jack and Wang in the big rig. Jack, Gracie, Gracie's friend Margot, who is a journalist. Wang's friend Eddie, Eddie Lee to be specific. Mm-hmm. 
and magician Egg Shen convene at Wang's restaurant where Jack learns the history of Chinese sorcery. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? They learn about Calgon. Actually, he does do some laundry and he's he wearing does. the robe, so he that does. makes sense. They devise a plan to infiltrate where they think Wang's fiance is being held, but they're confronted by the three storms. Lopan now appears as a crippled old man, like Jim said, with Pimento Pimento loaf loaf face. Wang tells Jack that Lopan needs a green-eyed girl. I guess actually Egg Shen tells him this maybe, right? Yeah. Getting close, real close. And now for some more bad news. Ready? What, this gets worse? Come on. 2,258 years ago, the first sovereign emperor, Chen Jiwong Anijima, he subjugated Lopan, made him of no flesh. Evil dream. Get to the goddamn point, Egg. In order to be whole again, he had to find this certain girl of, of his prophecy and marry her to appease the god of the east. But to appease the emperor, he had to kill her. Kill her? No! That Lopan needs a green eyed girl to break an ancient Chinese curse, meaning his plan is to sacrifice Wang's fiance. So he must marry her and then kill her. Yes, to become flesh again. Yes. In Lopan's lair, there are a bunch of weird creatures, like a floating eyeball made of eyeballs and like an orangutan monster thing. Lopan has also now kidnapped Gracie Law and he's going to marry both and only sacrifice one. Fucking polygamist, man. Yeah. A battle ensues. Wang kills Rain. Jack kills Lopan by throwing a knife. Which is awesome reflexes. Yes. Thunder, he swells up and explodes in a very weird scanners type way. Yeah, those three, Thunder, Rain, and Lightning, kind of have the most anticlimactic endings. I still don't. Well, we'll get to it later. Yeah, we will. Egg kills Lightning with a Buddha statue. They celebrate back at the restaurant. Wang is going to get married after saving his fiance. Eddie pairs with Gracie's friend Margot. Egg is going to China. And Gracie offers to go with Jack, but he leaves alone in his truck, unknowing one of the monsters has survived and is hidden in his truck. And that's how the movie ends. Quite abruptly. Jack's exit's awesome. I love it. Well, last chance. I'm a rich man now. Give up the open road. Sell my truck. Settle down. Couldn't have that in my conscience. The only way it might work is if you buy a bigger truck. One with a cozy little apartment in back, just big enough for two. Sounds pretty great. But you know something? Sooner or later, I rub everybody the wrong way, and... Well, let me think about it. God, aren't you even going to kiss her goodbye? Nope. All right, let's get into characters. Kurt Russell as Jack Burton. Carpenter wanted Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood. Mm. Well, if you want the classic 1880s Western version of this movie, yes. Both were busy. Kim Cattrall as Gracie Law. The studio wanted a rock star, as in literally a popular musician. But Carpenter wanted Kim Cattrall, but Ellen Barkin was also considered. Mm. Because wasn't there a stigma from Kim Cattrall, like, Studio didn't really want her because they saw her in sex comedies, Police Academy. And yes, yeah, yes. She was typecasting. Okay. Dennis Dunn is Wang Chi. Carpenter wanted Jackie Chan, but he didn't speak English well enough at the time. Some of the people in this movie don't speak English well at all. But it they're not really them. a main character. Yeah. Pray your card to write. You live to talk about it. James Hong as David Lopan. He is 
Awesome. Awesome. He played Snotty in Revenge of the Nerds 2. Yes. Victor Wong as Egg Shen. Kate Burton as Margot Litzenberger. Donald Lee as Eddie Lee. Carter Wong as Thunder. James Pax as Lightning. Susie Pye as Meowing. Let's give it up for the girl who played Meow Yin, because I believe she was Penthouse or Playboy Playmate of the Year in 81. She didn't have one line in this entire movie. I th- yeah, I think Jack asks her at one point, are you all right? She says yes. One line. She yeah. probably got good money for this. Well, she's not your MVP. So, Jim, who is your MVP of this one? Okay, it's going to sound weird. My MVP is the Pork Chop Express. Now, oh. let me explain why the Pork Chop Express. The whole, it's not just a truck. You know, it's not just a machine, as Sylvester Stallone told us so well and over the top. The Pork Chop Express is an extension of Jack Burton. I believe, in a way, psychologically, the PCE gives Jack his inner spirit, his inner his inner fighter. His radio show that he does on a CB radio, it's a two-way remote. So do you think he gets like flash channel traffic? Like, I don't know. Show me Teddy Bear. Like the, any like weird shit, which I always like the Pork Chop Express. But I will also say Gracie Law. What the hell is Gracie Law doing here? She can't get enough of me. Huh, he wishes. Look, you know me. I'm always poking my nose where it doesn't belong. And as a result, I admit it, this mix-up is my fault, sort of. But I've got it on good advice. That those punks that jumped me and ripped off his truck, the girl they kidnapped, they took over to the White Tigers for a quick sale. Who was she? My fiance. The White Tigers? Oh, God, I'm sorry. If we get over there tonight fast, maybe we can buy her back. A search warrant's too complicated. Violence out of the question. Hold it. Okay. I really like James Hong as David Lopan. Magic. The darkest magic. My soul swims in it, scattered across time, trapped in the world of formlessness, until I find her and marry her. Marry her? A girl with green eyes. A girl who can tame the burning blade. Mao Yin, her grace. And I really like Victor Wong's egg shin. My work's done. Lopan is dead and the evil spell's been lifted. Years ago, I promised myself a long vacation and it's time to collect. Well, why don't you go on over to China, visit the motherland? Well, China's in the heart, Jack. Wherever I go, she's with me. Egg Shen, who is also the proprietor of Egg Fu Young Tours. Yeah. In the weirdest long classic Woody bus I've ever it's seen. Awesome. It's crazy awesome. And he almost gets hit by the Pork Chop Express. I will tell you this though the way he drives that and the way Jack can do a 90 degree J turn yeah. with a fucking semi yeah. in that alley. Oh, yeah. Mwah. Yeah. Chef's kiss. All right, best scenes. Let's find out which scenes made a splash. Jim, you go ahead and go first. Okay, what I like off the bat, we need to have some good levity. Kurt Russell brings so many elements of just fun little levity to serious Chinese mysticism. I'm going to start where Jack goes to the White Tiger. Yeah. And he introduces himself. How do you do, ma'am? Henry Swanson's my name, and excitement's my game. Cash or charge? Oh, gosh. Cash, I guess. I mean, it's not deductible, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. O'Toole will take care of your needs. Boy, you know, I wish these were in color, because what I really am sort of in the mood for is a girl with green eyes. And price is no object, Mrs. O'Toole. Fresh off the boat's the way I like them. More exotic, the better. And saying he's looking for a girl with green eyes, he has the horn rim glasses on, hair is all matted down. So this is a logic thing. 
later, but I'll bring it up now. Have you ever noticed that is his exact wardrobe from used cars? Holy shit. Is it really? He's literally wearing his costume from used cars. How have I never noticed that? Because I love used cars. Yeah, he. I don't know if he had it or they had it for some reason. Literally dressed as his character. Have you from seen used cars? Used cars? Yeah. Oh, it's a tremendously good it's, movie. It bombed. My problem with used cars, not to go on a tangent, it's just a little too dated. Oh, it's not, made so in eighty. It's made nineteen eighty. So at this point, you know, it's a forty-plus-year-old movie. The comedy and stuff doesn't hold up as as much. I, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, exact so. wardrobe. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I never knew that. What do you got? I have first to mention the set design and effects in this movie. Practical effects are awesome, They're which sweet. a lot of that has to do with with John Carpenter. I just love the aesthetic of this whole movie, especially everything in Lopan's complex, like the glowing statues, yeah. all the like rows of Buddhas, yeah. the big skull, and that's that like glowing. prayer hall. Yeah, it's everything awesome. is so cool. The battle between Chang Sings and Wing Kong at the funeral procession is fucking awesome, dude. Wang, these guys, these Singdings. Chang Sings. They got enemies. Wing Kong. Who wear red turbans. Holy shit. These guys are animals, Jack. So it starts with, as Jim said, Jack Burton whips his, his semi into an alley. Which like is amazing. He does like a Tokyo Drift. Yeah. And they just stop and they're just sitting there. So it starts with like a machine gun battle that then becomes like a Kung Fu fight. One guy has a meat cleaver. The other has like nunchucks and shit. And one of the best parts, like an underrated scene. So Jack and Wang are just sitting in Jack's truck, having a front row seat to this yeah. battle. <laughs> Jack has Jack just a knife. Jack pulls out a knife <laughs> that he's just holding vertically. He's just holding a knife as he's sitting there and watching it. So, but you get the whole fight scene. Like I said, they're shooting each other with machine guns. What's happening, Wang? Chinese standoff. A what? Don't make a sound. A kung fu fight, but then the thunder, rain, and lightning come out and kind of just end the whole battle. Once again, I'm doing another Jack talking scene here. When Jack is talking to Lopan, when him and Wang are tied down into wheelchairs, and you see Lopan is the old guy. My demon, the god I must appease in order to regain my heart by blood. To a girl with green eyes satisfied Ching Dai, a girl brave enough to embrace the naked blade. And when I find her, I will marry her. Never! Then Ching Dai will be happy and my curse will be lifted. You can go off and rule the universe from beyond the grave. Indeed! Or check into a psycho ward, whichever comes first, huh? Jack, will you- Jack! What? I'm supposed to buy this shit? 2,000 years and he can't find one broad to fit the bill? Come on, Dave, you must be doing something seriously wrong. And Jack's just giving him the what the fuck, Dave? You know, he's going yeah. back. He's just calling him Dave. Yeah. And James Hong as Lopan is just so good playing the old guy. So he's the creepiest I dude. have that as well because Lopan sounds like Dan Housen. Hello, yes. I am MGF of some sort. Hey, uh, Dan Housen's here now. We're both very rich, very evil, great friends. Or vice versa. He does. He does. He sounds like Dan Housen. And he Pretty good. Yeah, and they're Very just nice having this. Know? It's like a ton of exposition yeah. where he's just like giving us. This movie is filled with a lot of exposition at different times. <sighs> like Egg Shen gets a bunch where he's just like, here is the plot. Yeah, and Jack figures it all out. And I'll never forget Lopin goes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sounds like, like Dan Housen. Yeah, <laughs> Curses. Curses. Oh, my God. I love that scene. Egg Shen talking about the six demon bag cheers. I don't know what <laughs> the hell. Oh, no, that's what it is. He did a cheers. Cheers. Uh, this does what again exactly? Use buzz. 
Oh, good. You can see things no one else can see. Do things no one else can do. Real things? As real as Lopin. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? Oh, the six demon bag. Terrific, a six demon bag. Sensational. What's in it, Egg? Wind, fire, all that kind of thing. Here's to the Army and Navy and the battles they have won. Here's to America's colors, the colors that never run. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Before they go into Lopan's yeah, lair. Yeah, they're in like an elevator. They're in an elevator going to Lopan's lair. So Egg Shen does this whole salute talking about a six demon bag. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? They cheers. <laughs> and then they go down the elevator and Wang's like, I feel pretty good. <laughs> and I'm not, uh, not scared at all. I just feel kind of, feel kind of invincible. <laughs> me too. I got a very positive attitude about this. Good, me too. Yeah. Then as soon as the elevator comes out, they say, wait till he finishes the marriage ceremony. Then we can kill him because he'll be of blood. Shit's about to go down. Jack pulls. Well, first of all, they fucking sword knife the mad ball with the 50 eyes, the telekinetic mad ball. Jack fires the gun above him. Concrete hits him in the head knocks out doesn't do anything for the entire fight it's great i i love the what i would describe sort of as like the scooby-doo chases in this yeah so there's like the first time that they go to the white tiger and they try and get in and they have to swim down it's like very much like um like a video game it is you know like tomb raider or any any video game they have to dive down in the water find the door like navigate through dead bodies come up through jesus christ where are we course jack's horny yeah exactly <laughs> and then there's jack releases all of the prisoners jack where's gracie on the floor next door she's a, a wildcat how are you gonna spring us i have no idea Lopan has all these women held captive. So you've got Eddie and Wang who are fighting these like ninjas. These Are you talking about the ninja girls? The girl with the bow has the slowest yeah. reaction time. Yes. It's like, what the hell is taking so yeah, long? So they're fighting these uh, Wing Kong ninjas and Jack is releasing Gracie and all the other you know women prisoners. And they're all screaming while he's letting them go. And he's like, hurry it up. So they have all these chases back and forth through yeah. this place. And then they dive back in the pool to get out with all of the women. And then they're shooting out it's just it's a good action it's a really like a good, lot of this movie is told through action it's told through action but then you have the kurt russell quips which just yeah, fucking make right. it i mean come on okay so if you do a bunch of action you get overheated it's time to get out of the pool and take a break time to cool down chang sings wing kong you wait your second you'll be in the pool later on tonight low pan hell no poochick <laughs> Can I get a pimento loaf at the concession stand? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I'm telling you, Dan has it. Uh, there's nothing better than getting, you know, being out in the sun, 90 degrees, getting sunburned, putting on sunscreen, and then eating a pimento loaf. Pimento loaf hot dog. <laughs> yeah, at our pool at Waddell Park, we have pimento loaf hot dogs. Yeah. You're welcome, folks. All right, uh, pool check. It's going to be a rough one. We're going to go. Very limited. We're going to go top three of Kurt Russell. And I will say top three characters because he returned to a few of these roles. He did. So I will give you both movies or all the movies if you select one of those. Okay. So we're going by movie or character then? Either. Yeah. Okay. You go first. Number one, Snake Plissken. I mean, that's, yeah. So Escape from New York and LA could have been Escape from Cleveland. Which, how great would that have been? I would have loved The prequel. It. So, yeah, Snake is just this awesome eye patch prisoner, uh, you know, that 
uh, Snake from Metal Gear is based on. He didn't talk for the first 18 minutes yeah. of Escape from New York. And his first lines were, call me Snake. Yeah, and very different in Escape from L.A. It's almost a parody of Escape yes. from L.A. Even Carpenter said, just like, uh, I mean, he's riding a wave in that movie. Yeah. It's pretty so bad. absolutely, when it's Halloween one time, have to pick Snake Plissken. So I would be remiss not to pick Captain Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Ron is just, we covered Captain Ron and we think it should have been. It's him as an alter ego of Snake Plissken. Once again, he's wearing an eye patch. Yeah. He's just so fucking goofy. Guys, go back and listen to our yeah, Captain we, Ron we episode. actually told a little bit of, is Captain Ron Snake, Snake Plissken? Plissken? That was one of our deep questions we went Are there tits then. in a PG-13 movie? Yes, there Sorry, are. Martin Short. Yeah, it was great. So yeah, Captain Ron Rico pulls in somewheres and asks directions. The thing, McCready. Oh yeah. I love the thing. It's going to come up here again shortly. Definitely a definitive Carpenter movie. It's also, it's a great scary movie. It is. It's a true definition of a thriller. Yeah. Looped in with horror movies. It is, but it's a different type of horror because it's like a, it's like a whodunit, like a body horror. It's a claustrophobic also horror. It's fantastic. It's great. Go watch it right now. So I'm going to go deep here. Dexter Riley. And in case you guys don't know who, what character Kurt Russell was before Kurt Russell became Snake Plissken and all these, but he was in three Disney movies yep. where he played Dexter Riley. He was always that student that, you know, the professor never really liked. He was that smart ass dude. He was in the computer who wore tennis shoes, yep. the world's strongest man. And now you see him. Now you don't fucking great movies. I have the Kurt Russell Disney collection. If it wasn't for his jaunt as Dexter Riley, John Carpenter's eyes never would have been on Kurt Russell as that type of character. Yep. So I'm going with Dexter Riley. My number one, Death Proof, Stuntman Mike. See, I never saw Death Proof. I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't watched it, but I can tell you he is an incredible stunt driver with a Death Proof vehicle. That, you know, if you're driving this car, you cannot be killed. He's awesome. He eats he eats nachos in a really nasty way. And they like, it's Tarantino. So he zooms in on his mouth while he's eating nachos. Kind of gross, but awesome. I really like it. Check it out. My final one, of course, you know, Snake Plissken. How can you not include Snake Plissken? But there is another underrated one. Now, I almost went with Tango and Cash. Okay. Because it's once we, we talked about it last week, Buddy Cop or the week before we talked. No, last week. I have I have it written down. I think this is your number one, but let's hear it. Reno Hightower from the best of times. Not it, but that's a good one. Reno Hightower, his character, is from this small town in California, and they always lose to the crosstown rival. Yeah. And then there was that one game that one night where Reno Hightower almost beat Taft, but who dropped the ball? Robin Williams. And the whole premise of the movie is it's like 10, 15 years later, and they want to replay the game. And of course, at the end, they finally win, but they're all washed up. But Reno Hightower was real great. I don't know how you didn't pick Mr. Nobody from the Fast franchise. Oh, I keep forgetting about sometimes that he's in that. He's in, what, three of the Fast movies? He's in three. Hopefully in Fast 10, we get more of a backstory. Like I told you, if they make him Brian's dad, I will be so fucking sold because Brian in the first movie was a federal agent. Mr. Nobody is inner workings within government and the feds. It would make perfect sense. Federal agents, mad because I'm flagrant. <laughs> Tap my cell on a phone, phone in, in the, the basement. basement. All right. Uh, well, I guess that was uh, enough time for the Cheng Sing to get out of the pool. We've eaten our pimento loaves, and it is time to return to the pool. Everybody back in the pool! <laughs> 
will come out no more. What? Huh? What'll come out no more? Come on. Damn it. Okay, putting some pressure on you again. Oh, you son of a bitch. All right, critical question. Quick, gun to your head reaction. John Carpenter, top three movies. Escape from New York, The Thing, Oh, Halloween. Okay. I have The Thing, They Live, Halloween. But you've got Assault on Precinct 13, Big Trouble, and then Escape from New York. And I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's others that I'm missing. It seems like after 88, John Carpenter was just like, all right. Yeah. But even John Carpenter in interviews said, you know what? I really kind of went out the public eye, but I enjoy getting those checks every year for Halloween. So good for him, man. Yeah. They Live's underrated. And it makes perfect sense to the way things are nowadays. All right. Let's move on logic it all could have been different mr walker you should have allowed nature to take its course we should start doing a segment where uh, we have to replace the lead with marky mark oh my god (laughs) could you imagine hey pork chop express (laughs) you know what good old jack burton says in times like this what the hell It's all in the reflexes. Hey, Gary. So, Logic, first, I'm maybe it's a stretch. I didn't have that much, but maybe it's a stretch. I have a couple. <laughs> Wang is not as concerned as I think he should be for his fiance being kidnapped. First off, it just seems like, how long do you think him and Jack have been friends? Because that I can't. Is, that is actually probably the bigger question. I can't narrow it down. I think he says at one point, like, I'll follow you. You don't trust me after all these years, Jeff? That makes me sad. That reminds me of an old Chinese joke. Save it. I'll give you a lift. You get in the truck. Because, like, he, Jack thinks he's going to skip out on the money. The way I always perceived it, Jack would come in and out of town so many times, and he would just meet up because Wang would be at that game. Yeah, Wang owns a restaurant. Yeah. So Jack probably delivers to Wang's restaurant. I would assume. Well, first off, what game are they playing in the beginning? I have no I've idea. not been able to narrow that down. Is it like a card game? But then they do the... Nothing or double bet on whether Wang can cut a bottle in half. He could slice a bottle in half. And Jack, with the ultra reflexes, caught it. Yeah. Which is really cool. Well, he swaps the bottle. Yeah. Because he He thinks he's cheating. But, yeah, I never figured out what game they play. But it just seems like you're thrown into this and you're supposed to expect them to know or expect the viewer to know these guys have been friends for a decade or something Yeah, well, like that. it's every time you think it, you get a clue on how long they've been friends, they, like, cancel it out because you've known me this long and you think I'm going to, you know, yeah. skip out on the money. But then Jack has no idea that Wang not only has a girlfriend, but he's engaged. Well, but then they do the same thing with Gracie Law when they're waiting in the airport and Wang's like, she's trouble. Yeah. How are we supposed to know that you know her? Yeah. Because we don't know. Well, the whole timelines of things are messed up because like Gracie and Jack have known each other for not even like 24 hours and like they're ready to like run off and live together. Yeah. And you know, Jack kisses her. Well, Kim Cattrall at this time, very attractive. Oh yeah. Like, wow. She's pretty hot in the low pin gear too. Oh, I would agree. Okay, right off the bat, I've mentioned it before. It's what the fucking monsters, man. You got the demon doggy, you have the mad ball telekinetic, and the sewer monster, which has one of the best scenes when Jack gets fucking scared. And Egg throws like three sage explosion balls. I don't know what the fuck they were at it. And Jack gets all war. It's like, where is this shit? What is that sewer monster? Is that supposed to be like a big turd monster that just grows below San Francisco? Do they ever fully explain the low pan body thing? They never really do. So the first time we see Lopan, he's like the... He's a giant. He's a seven foot guy. He's a seven foot, but he's the final form of Lopan. Yes. But then the next time we see Lopan, he's got the pimento loaf face. Yes. He sounds like Dan Housen. But then we also see him as the, again, final form Lopan, traveling through walls 
Yeah. And then putting his hand through Meow, Meow Yen. Yen, like who's floating. But did they ever really explain? So I understand he's 900 years old, but he is physically 900 years old in that body. I think he's 900 in that body. I think they might have briefly mentioned that the Chang Sings defeated the Wing Kong and they cast his spirit aside. That is a 900 year old body. They entombed him in a 900 year old body. So then how does he turn into that other form? Because they never if he re- can turn into that form, then why doesn't he just turn into that form See, all the time? that's what they never explain. Why does he ever have to go to the Pimento Loaf face body? Exactly. And then maybe there's a missing scene where they explain that, that they also explain why there are monsters. Yeah, where the hell? Like, why? Yeah. There's no explanation. Only thing I can think of is their minions of Lopan. But one thing that stuck out to me after watching this movie again yesterday for the millionth time. So when they free all the prisoners and they get out of the building complex, these security guards unload so many bullets on Egg Shen's big woody van with everybody in it (laughs) nobody gets shot yeah everybody should be dead must be casting a spell yeah unless he's putting up a fucking shield thing when they're all trying to swim out of the water back through the ducts or whatever and they're firing bullets into the water those would be hitting them yeah they they show jack like swim through and it's like nah i don't think those would have missed them and they proved that on mythbusters (laughs) does egg shen's special six demon tea (laughs) six demon bag give Wang the ability to fly yeah oh dude because when he fights is it not thunder rain he fights rain when he fights rain he's doing these like crazy prolonged flips where he's soaring through the sky if of course you've played ninja gaiden yeah the opening i know ninja gaiden the opening scene of that movie is when every ninja movie you see the ninjas flying here and fighting here the crouching tiger hidden dragon thing even before the flying during that scene he runs up an archway, like yeah. full 360, no problem. So is he able to do that or the T, is I it like Bugs's or Michael's secret stuff in Space Jam? I think it's the T. It's got to be the T. Yeah. How can you just randomly do shit like that? It's And then Jack's whole struggle during that scene is getting a statue off of him. <laughs> That's one thing I don't understand about the scene. All he has to do is rock it a little yeah, bit, and he's right. fine. He can't figure it out. No, he's using all upper body to push this thing off of him, rather than, like you said, to use a little momentum. Yeah, I don't get that. I have another one, too. Wang is so excited for Miao Yin to come over from China. I would assume this has been in the plans for months. Has to be months. Miao Yin's luggage is literally a used box of kitchen utensils with tape on it. So she's been anticipating <laughs> coming from China... For months, she couldn't have got fucked. A girl that attractive with green eyes in China can't go to a coach and pick up some sort of luggage to put it in. No. Apparently, she went to Egg Shen in China, grabbed a box of vegetables and said, I'll put shit in there. And then she gets hijacked by the Lords of Death and they shove her in the smallest. I love that scene. Logic into that scene alone. And I think it's the way they shot it. So the Lords of Death are heading towards Wang and Jack. Yeah. There's this weird scene where it's almost like they're not real figures and they stand there. It's like they stop the scene and then all of a sudden action happens. It's really abrupt. But of course, she's shoved in the trunk. Yeah. Why does Thunder blow up when he sees that Lopan has died? I don't think he's going to stop. Come on! 
is he that upset that like his father died? Well, he just decides to self-destruct. They're like very concerned. So they're having one of those like what I meant, described as like a Scooby-Doo chase scene. Oh yeah. So Thunder is chasing Wang in, in Lopan's and out of these office. Rooms. Yeah, in Lopan's office. And like as they run past, you see like tables flipping and stuff like flying. Cartwheels and cartwheel. And then so Thunder comes into where the throne room, as I would Jack say. Jack had thrown a knife through Lopan's head. Well, first he throws it and it's terrible. It misses. He throws it, misses it, hits a gong. Lopan picks it up, throws it back. Lopan has doesn't he have power where he doesn't have to go pick it up? He could just literally just put his hand out and I it would come so. to him. But Lopan picks it up, throws it back. Jack catches it, throws it back. It's all in the reflexes. And it goes through Lopan's forehead. When Thunder finally comes into the room with Wang, they're like kind of like, oh shit, we're going to fight this guy. He sees that Lopan has died and his like clothes start to rip. He starts inflating. Like yeah. literally, he looks like a like garbage pail kid. Like does. the movie. Yeah, he does. He looks like the garbage pail kids movie. And then he steam comes out of his ears and nose. There's like a famous like screen grab of it. And he fucking blows up. Now I can't remember. So if I'm wrong, call me out on it. So Jack's knife is in Lopan's head. Yeah. But when Wang comes back out and before Thunder sees Lopan dead, isn't Jack holding that same knife? in his hand that's a good question I, he might be okay i might uh, I, I might be wrong so pool seniors please let us know if Ooh, i'm wrong nice knife very yeah. nice very evil <laughs> i curse you and then my last one this was going to be the critical question but i decided to save it for now movie ends jackson the pork chop express he's in a way kind of like retelling the tales of everything that happened on the cb show on his cb pork chop express radio show you just listen to the old pork chop express here now and take his advice on a dark and stormy night when the lightning's crashing and the thunder's rolling and the rain's coming down and sheets thick as lead just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earth quakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, give me your best shot, pal. I could take it. That orangutan looking monster is in the truck. Is Jack going to die like five minutes after the movie? Because Jack's not going to be able to like fight this thing off. I think in John Carpenter's weird head, it becomes its pet. <laughs> I mean, maybe, <laughs> but like, where is this going? It's so weird that they ended it like that. It is very strange. You didn't need it to end like I, that. Because I don't think it was ever discussed that this was ever going to have a sequel or anything. I don't think so. So like, why do that? Just like one final, not like a, like if it were like a jump scare, even all, yeah. I would understand it, but it's not. It's just kind of like, oh, this thing's on Jack's truck. Now, the one thing I find very intriguing and not that I have this much experience with CB radio, I remember as a, a kid. My grandfather had a CB radio and he would listen to people do CB chatter. And if I was in the room and he heard somebody swearing, he would jump on her channel and go, I got my grandson here. Stop with the language. How long do you think, like, do you think he does the Porkchop Express show every night? I find it very intriguing. Like, who's listening to the Porkchop Express radio show? I don't mean to show? offend anyone out there, but my gut reaction always to CB was it was like, all the talks truck about stops. lizards and truck stops and scorn blow. Well, like, I remember our buddy Robert would give us some truck stop stories where he bought prostitutes yeah. with pocket change, like literally <laughs> 
paid him out in quarters. All right. Yeah, that's that was. Yeah. Uh, again, not to offend <laughs> if you're out there listening in a truck. We appreciate your services. What is the legacy of this movie? Well, this, like many 80s movies, failed financially, but became quite a cult hit. It's influenced like ton of pop culture oh, stuff. Oh, huge. A lot of people like you can literally like when you're looking this up, one of the first things that comes up is Mortal Kombat, Big Trouble in Little China. Like basically it did it, like yeah. directly influence Raiden and Shang Tsung, like are directly influenced by Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, big time. There's all kinds. There's a uh, Ninja Turtles like made for TV movie or episode that a straight up adaptation of Big Trouble. And then another thing is The Rock wants to play Jack Burton because of course he does. Yeah. He wants John Carpenter to be involved, but that had always seemed far-fetched until recently. And now Carpenter kind of seems to be like coming back for everything. He put his name on the new Halloween movies. He's doing a, is it a sequel to the thing? Which there was a thing remake a few years ago, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It's actually really good. Yeah. This would be like a direct sequel to the original thing. He's going to do that. My only thing is like, I don't think he would necessarily be opposed to a big trouble uh, sequel or remake. He may be opposed to the rock is Jack Burton. I don't. Jack Burton is not a hero. I look at the rock and I'm like, that's a fucking action hero. That's a, that's an action figure. If the rock makes big trouble in little China, I'm very concerned. It's going to be more comical. Low pan Kevin Hart, you know, like I just don't trust that the right people at worst. It's going to be like Kevin Hart's Wang Ken Jong. Yeah. Yeah. I bet actually you're probably hundred percent right. Kevin Hart is probably Wang, but he's not. He's probably like it's they take like the Chinese mysticism out of it, maybe. Yeah. And then they uh, it's Terramana. Yeah. It's Terramana. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think he would just do his rock thing to it. It'd be the same movie he makes over and over again. There'd be a lot more fucks in that movie, let me tell you. What the fuck? Yeah, maybe they would explain why there's monsters. And you know he would rock bottom one of those monsters. I bet he would. That'd be sweet. And maybe he'd wear that ill-fitting burgundy outfit he wore at Super Bowl. It was weird. It was tucked in and his, like, he's huge. If I was 48 years old and I looked like that. He's a humongous man with gigantic thighs, but, like, it was just all sorts of, like. How can I be comfortable? It can't be. There's no way. If I were that big, you wouldn't catch me in anything except for, like, a nightgown. I would just be naked. I'd wear, like, a hospital gown. I mean, because you couldn't be comfortable in clothes. You'd have to wear, like, a 6X t-shirt. Everything is medium. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> That's ridiculous. Ah, it's weird. I don't, I hope to, I don't know. You know what I'd be all for The Rock doing a remake of? The Rock. There you go. The Rock in The Rock. I want The Rock to do summer school with instead of Rodney Dangerfield. I watched that with my girlfriend the other night. She loved it. Oh, it's great. Lo- it's it's such a great. That's on our list, too, for the, um, the show. Rock's just going to remake everything. And it's all going to make a ton of money and nothing matters because it doesn't <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Stick around for some plugs. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Hey, you just said the magic words, and look what you did. And look what Toys R Us and Coleco are doing for Christmas. Get a $5 rebate on Coleco's Cabbage Patch Circus Kids, the greatest kids on Earth. And save on Cabbage Patch Corn Silk Kids with silky hair to style. I love it. And you huggable Cabbage Patch Kids babies in their own blankets at low Toys R Us prices. It's the world's biggest toy store. Let's go. 
Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Hey, final lap, fucker. Yeah, the final lap. still selling fucking tickets for the Grand Prix the day of the Grand Prix while it's happening. Motherfucker! And you let Jay Leno on the track on his motorcycle during the race and he can keep up with the cars. I tell you shit. I know all shit. I hope you guys really enjoyed the uh, kick through the windshield. (laughs) Which, uh... Collision course. Yes, last week. Another movie we have covered is Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. I'm so excited for this. On our season to deep end. And I'm not sure if i've said it on the pod magic mike xxl it's in my top 10 movies maybe top five movies of all time i really really love it it's a fun movie i'll reserve judgment until it comes out because i'm not necessarily excited but steven soderbergh is returning to direct and channing tatum is returning as the titular character for magic mike the last dance the second movie tied it up in a nice little bow (laughs) they literally went on like a retirement tour they did so that they could have one last blowout in their careers kevin nash is 78 years old like i hope i have the honor to meet kevin nash one day and not refer to him as a wrestler but call tarzan. him tarzan yeah i thought the last movie i thought xxl was the last dance perfect this is the last dance i don't know if anyone else is coming back but i know that those two are Soderbergh directed the first one, produced the second one. He's directing the third one. The reason I bring this up is because Channing Tatum recently said something that I feel is important. Tatum was recently on the Kelly Clarkson show, which speaking of her, you see she changed her name. Dropping her last name and just using her middle name as her last name. Yeah. Is it Kelly Brienne or something like that? But he went on the Kelly Brienne show and said he was very reluctant to sign on to Magic Mike 3 because of the diet and exercise routine for the character's look. He said it's unhealthy and unnatural. Said even if you work out regularly, that kind of shape is not natural and that he literally has to starve himself to be that lean. Did you see some of the pictures he posted of how he looked on set? He almost looked gaunt in the face. Yeah. So basically for all of our listeners, remember that the bodies you see on TV in movies and even on social media are filtered and photoshopped and very difficult to achieve even prior to photoshop and filters so remember to love yourselves because basically these are people who get paid to work out for a living yeah they got nothing else to do they literally are getting paid they spend months they're already in shape they spend months getting in better shape yep they film their movie that's what they're paid to do and then they go back to looking more like normal very fit but normal spectrum people and instead on top of all of those things they are photoshopped and airbrushed and used filters like you know it's always been we've always heard about young girls and unrealistic beauty standards oh definitely 
but you know it was never talked about as much with men and it's absolutely true like without the supplements it even like bodybuilders we've been to the arnold how many times oh yeah a couple you see these guys on stage and you're like that is absolutely incredible and unbelievable and we've watched enough documentaries to see what's involved with this yes but truly even that is like smoke and mirrors it is getting the pump the pump and dehydrating to the point that you're you've got the vascularity you know a day after the bodybuilding competition they won't necessarily even look like that no like as soon as they eat a meal as soon yeah, as they, they drink get, some yeah. water I, obviously they're going to be big and stuff but you get where i'm going can't the rock be in magic mike the last day holy shit could you imagine i mean fucking why not i just i don't see tarzan returning he has to i don't know if joe manganello would i kind of see it as all right give a prediction what do you think it'll be I think Mike crosses paths with Dallas. You have to end that story. There's a lot of talk with the first movie about McConaughey getting a Academy Award nomination for his role, which when I was like, the male stripper movie? Like, what? And then you see it, and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But what if they just bring back everyone? Why not? It's the last dance. Yeah. The money's going to be there. Michael Soderbergh. Jordan, last dance. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan's going to be in it. Pippin stripping. Pippin stripping. <laughs> You know, Dennis Rodman doesn't have a problem showing his song. Yeah. But yeah, I could see everybody coming back for that. Why not? I don't know what the well, story what, would that's be. That's what I'm saying. I What if Mike opened his own club? Let's figure his furniture business has finally kicked off. Okay. I could see Mike and the guys also having their own club. And then Dallas comes back into the picture going, ooh, what's going on here, boys? Look what, what, if I the, taught what if you. the kid's sister came back? I didn't like her, though. I know you did. I don't know if it's related because I haven't clicked on the uh, clickbait links but I did see something that says Channing Tatum wants to create the Super Bowl of stripping. So I don't know if that means like in real life All right. or in the movie, like for the movie. I would hope it'd be for the movie because the way he sounded in that interview, he's pretty much like, I don't want to. I want to go to the Super Bowl of stripping. You pack 70,000 people into a stadium and then there's just one tiny little person on stage <laughs> stripping in the middle. Of the and then what you don't expect, there's fucking 50 cent hanging upside down. Yeah. But oh my God. All right wonderful okay well oh oh before i forget once again five star reviews everybody yeah much appreciated also rate the facebook page apparently that holds weight too rate the facebook page while you're on there become a pool scener you get stuff early through there kevin and i are doing these rando specials just like we did with b44 we're throwing feelers out there to show you guys exclusive different things that might come to exclusive levels one of these days and then our mainline episodes are swim meet series and then going from there also we are eight away on the pool seniors group before we post the salad sunday video so we're almost getting there that's gotta go on youtube yeah that's gonna go on youtube on our YouTube page. We need eight more to get there, folks. So come on. Right now, it's free. All you got to do is jump in. You get stuff early. Can't beat that. Come on. I mean, might as well jump. Go ahead and jump. Jump. You are all cursed. <laughs>
and I was a 